with you. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 86, says this. What is faith in Jesus Christ? The answer is that faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace by which we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is freely offered to us in the gospel. Let's pray together. Lord, it's so amazing that we can come to your throne of grace even in this really difficult time that you can give us mercy and grace in our time of need. And so right now we pray as you as our helper, as it says in Psalm 30, hear, O Lord, be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. Lord, you are a warrior helper. Help us to fight. Help us to persevere. Your help is different, Lord. It doesn't just encourage us. It transforms us. So, Lord, help us to per persevere. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be like you, Jesus, for that is our greatest need. And so right now we lift up all those that are sick and their families. Lord, we lift up all the healthcare workers as they're continuing on the front lines that you protect them. Pray for all of our first responders, our police, fire, military. God, have your hand over them. For those that are vulnerable, Lord, I pray you protect them with your mighty righteous right hand. For those that are unemployed, those that are furloughed, those that are struggling financially, God, won't you provide, provide for them right now, Lord. Lord. I pray for our leaders of our country, local and, and state and national leaders, as they're making uh, really difficult decisions, Lord, give them great wisdom. Lord, I pray for our teachers and our students and their families and all the tech people that are involved to have schooling happen right now. Give them great grace and great wisdom. And Lord, for our churches. Help us to show, show the love of you. Lord, we want you to shine in this darkness. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we are going to continue through our series that we've been going, walking through Genesis. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to see one of the heroes that we talked about last week, Abram or Abraham. And see that he's not quite that great of a hero after all. And we're going to point to the one who is the ultimate hero, and that is Jesus. There is only one Jesus. And we're going to get to see that this morning. And the reason why we've been walking through Genesis is because we believe that it's important to be disciples that make disciples. And we believe that a disciple is someone who follows Jesus, who loves Jesus, who loves one another, and who loves the lost. And that's why we're fighting for togetherness in this, because we need each other to worship Jesus together. It's difficult to do that on our own with all the negativity, all the news coming our way. It's difficult to focus on Jesus all by ourselves. So we need community, and that's why we're gathering online. That's why we're gathering over Zoom calls. We want to love Jesus. We want to love one another, and it's so great to see all the stories of one anothering. So thankful for so many of you that came out uh, on Friday to encourage those that are in uh, nursing homes and that are isolated from others and we're going to have that video here pretty soon to you of all you that came out to encourage one another staying in your cars practicing social distancing but it's great to see that one anothering and that we want to love the lost together we believe that this is a great time for the church we believe we're seeing nothing short of revival seeing people coming to faith in christ people checking out the church that never have checked it out before and so we want to encourage you to continue to be a disciple maker God has chosen us as this church to be disciple makers in a place, in a county where there's over 200,000 lost people. So let's continue to pray and lift up those that desperately need Jesus.
And this morning we get to look and be reminded that there is only one Jesus. We look at some of the heroes of the Bible, and I have a list here of these heroes and the issues that they had. They were all flawed, and so I hope you're encouraged this morning. I know that I am by looking at this list, by looking at there being only one Jesus. It's deeply encouraging to a knucklehead like me who has lots of issues, who has lots of sin, and I desperately need Jesus. But look at these heroes. Moses had a speech problem. Gideon was afraid, Samson was a womanizer, Rahab was a prostitute, the Samaritan woman was divorced, Noah, one of the great heroes that we look at, he got drunk, Jeremiah was considered too young, Jacob was a cheater, David, the man after God's own heart, was a murderer, Jonah ran from God, Naomi was a widow, Peter denied Christ three times, Martha worried about everything, Zacchaeus was too small and he was money hungry. The disciples fell asleep while they were praying. Paul was a Pharisee who persecuted Christians before becoming one. And Abram, or Abraham, as we're looking at today, he deceived, and some would say, including me, that he lied about his wife, Sarai. So last week we looked at our supposed hero, Abram, and uh, he left the land with his wife, Sarai, and all of his servants and his nephew named Lot. And speaking of that, do you know who the smartest person in the whole Bible was? It was Abraham, because he knew a lot. Okay. Anyway, they left that land in Haran, and they headed to follow where God wants them to go. And this is the land that they've been in for 75 years, and now they're leaving that land and going to wherever God tells them to go. I mean, this is an act of great faith. And so we see Abram taking these great steps of faith, going to these places that would have been dangerous to go to, but he's following after God until there's a famine that comes upon that land. Now, God doesn't tell him to leave, doesn't tell him to go, but he sees a famine going on, and what does he do? He does like a lot of us do when we have uh, trouble in our lives. We try to take things into our own hands, into our own power. Have you ever done that before? I do it all the time. And that's exactly what Abram did here. He didn't follow what God told him to do. He didn't stay in the land that God told him to. But he goes to Egypt. And of course, when he disobeys God, there's going to be a consequence. And so this is Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say that you are my sister, so I will be well treated for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that she was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abraham, Abraham well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, men servants and maid servants and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me, he said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? So that I took her to be my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. 
And then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Okay, lot to break down here, and hopefully you'll be encouraged that there is only one Jesus, that even the people that are seen as heroes in the Bible have great character flaws, and they were still used by God. So even us with our great character flaws, we could still be used by God. So there was a famine that came over the land, and of course, you know, we're going through this difficult time right now where there seems to be a plague and a famine that's going on here in our own land. And some of us are going through very difficult times. And so when you go through difficult times, it's very easy to say, I'm going to try to find solutions on my own. And so apparently you see Abram seeing, looking around in the land of Canaan and saying, man, there's not a lot of resources here. And maybe, it doesn't say this, but I'm just maybe speculating here that his nephew Lot and his wife, who were used to having a lavish lifestyle, were thinking, this land of famine, come on, Abram, let's go, let's go. Maybe they were influencing him, and so they leave. They leave without ever talking to God about it, and it certainly doesn't say in Scripture that God told them to go, and so they go. On their way, they realize that there's a problem that's going to happen. This ever happened to you? You're in the middle of a decision, you're on your way, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh boy, there's going to be an issue here. And so there was an issue, and we see that as Abram starts to realize that as he's about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but let you live. The people in Egypt at the time, they were polytheistic, they were cruel, they were immoral, especially sexually immoral. And so he knew what he was walking into with his wife. Unfortunately, he didn't think about this ahead of time. And so he's walking into there and, and he's trying to figure out a solution to keep his wife safe, supposedly safe, and to keep his life alive. And not only alive, but also thriving. And so I've seen many theologians try to defend Abram like this was the only choice that he had. Uh, but I'm not going to defend Abram here. Certainly not going to do that because he did have a choice. And his choice was to follow what God told him to do and to stay in the land that God told him to go to. But he disobeyed God. And so because he disobeyed God, he got put into this situation where he seemingly has no choice but to lie, but to disobey. And so he does that. And then Pharaoh's officials, and you'll see the name Pharaoh, which is just basically a generic word for a type of king in Egypt. And they let him know about this beautiful woman. The Egyptians were well known at the time to not really like their own kind, but like the looks of foreign women. And so they certainly liked the look of Sarai. And, and so they let Pharaoh know what was going on. And some people would say that she was just brought into his harem and there was no sexual relations at all. But what I know about the Egyptians at that time, I'm sure that she was treated fairly poorly as someone that was a part of her harem. And here is this man of God, Abram, who takes these great risks for the Lord, who follows after God, now disobeying him. And because of that, there are deep, deep consequences. It's really interesting in verse 17, as I'm reading this, and I read through this many, many, many times, I always think this is so interesting that the Lord inflicts serious diseases on Pharaoh. I mean, why didn't he inflict serious diseases on Abram? Abram was the one that lied. Abram was the one that deceived. Uh, but you see God's uh, possible plan here of 
putting those inflictions on Pharaoh as part of a bigger plan. Because maybe if he didn't do that, maybe he would have actually have killed Abram. Maybe he was thinking about doing something further to Abram and damaging him and his family. But because Abram was God's chosen father for the Jewish people, that God protected Abram in this way. God always sees the big, bigger picture. So even in the midst of disease, even in the midst of a virus, even in the midst of a famine, even in the midst of what's going on in your life, he always sees the bigger, bigger picture. And that's why we can trust in him. And so he inflicts these diseases on Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, maybe because those diseases were inflicted upon him, he thought, man, I better not mess with this guy. And so he lets him go. And he lets them go ahead back with his wife and the riches that he has. And there's, there's only one Jesus. I love that scripture is the way that it is. It doesn't try to sugarcoat anything. It's just God's word. And it lets us know even when people that are supposed heroes in the Bible mess up. And that's so encouraging to me. And I hope that's encouraging to you. If there are ways that you've been uh, not parenting so well during this time, or there are ways with your spouse that you haven't quite gotten along all that great, you haven't been acting all that Christian uh, to the people that are around you, maybe you're feeling a little more frustrated, a little bit more on edge, I want you to know there's hope for you too because there's only one Jesus. We all fall short. We all mess up. I asked this week on social media uh, about people that were well-loved heroes that have fallen from grace. And it was like many of you on social media were just waiting for someone to ask this question because you had a whole list of people that have fallen from grace. And I want to list some of these people because it really shows that it's not only in the Bible, but it's in real life too, that people that are well-loved can very easily fall. Some of the people you listed were R. Kelly, uh, Oscar Pistorius, Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens, John Christ. Michael Vick, Hulk Hogan, Matt Lauer, Lori Coughlin, Tiger Woods, although he's seemed to become more loved lately, Kevin Spacey, O.J. Simpson, Cat Stevens, Bill Cosby, Johnny Manziel, Josh Hamilton, Richard Nixon, Kenneth Kay of Enron, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Michael Jackson, the Dixie Chicks, and Harvey Weinstein. Wow. That's a list. And there was a bunch more on there, too. Uh, I couldn't list all of them that you uh, saw fall from grace. There's only one Jesus. There's only one Jesus. As we look at this story of Abram and we transition into looking at Jesus and looking to see how amazing he truly is, the reformers of our faith truly got that. They understood that. They understood that from the conviction that they had of the church of their day almost 500 years ago, drifting away from the truths and the faith of the Bible. They said, we have to point people back to Jesus because if we point people to the heroes, if we point people to the church, if we point people to staff members, if we point people to heroes of the day, they're always going to fall short. They're always going to fall short. And so that's why we need to focus on Jesus. And so the reformers uh, came to this conclusion of the five solas. And I love this. The five solas of our faith. Sola scriptura. That we believe in scripture alone. That we believe that this is God's word. Sola fide. That there's faith alone. That only we can be saved through faith alone in Christ alone. Sola gratia. That we're saved by the grace of God alone. Solus Christus, that Jesus Christ alone is our Lord, Savior, and King. And all the things that we do, even when we meet online, is sole de gloria. All for his glory. 
And I'm so thankful our reformers came up with these solas because they remind us of what is truly important and what we really need to focus on. And so as we look through Genesis chapter 12, as we look through the rest of Genesis, we're going to see our heroes rise and our heroes fall. And maybe you've heard about that all the time in, in church life, about pastors or staff members that were loved and they fall. All of us are scarred by sin. And there's only one Jesus. God has given the ultimate revelation of himself by sending Jesus Christ. In Colossians uh, chapter 1, it says that. It says that in Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And only he has the capability to save us. Only he has, is the one that can meet our needs. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, it says, Therefore, he who is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. You hear that? The God of the universe through Jesus Christ, he's interceding on our behalf, even when we're going in the midst of coronavirus, even when we're in the midst of the calamity that we're in, even when we're in the midst of our sin, he's interceding for us if we come to him. In Acts uh, chapter 4, verse 12, listen to, what, listen to what God's word says here. It says, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. You see that? You hear that? Jesus is the only one. There's only one Jesus. And in him is where we need to find our hope. Not in Abram, not in Noah, not in anybody else, not in anything else, not in our own ways, not in our own ideas, but in Jesus alone. And that's why the action step for this week, even as we're looking at Genesis chapter 12, is that Jesus must increase and I must decrease. Jesus must increase and I must decrease. Some of us, as we're in the midst of quarantine, realize that. We realize that the only way we're going to make it through all of this is by Jesus increasing in our life and by us decreasing in our own lives. And this is really a difficult thing, for, especially for Americans. But listen to what God's word says in, in John chapter 3. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must increase, I must decrease. Wow. That's so vital for us because as we look at this story of Abram, we see that a hero has fallen. A hero is making a, a horrible decision. But each and every one of us do the same things all the time. We make decisions that don't honor God. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot be our own righteousness. We can't do that. And many of you watching this right now, maybe you think you're comparing yourself to a friend or a neighbor or someone you're interacting with online. You're thinking, but I'm, I'm a really good person. I mean, do I really need to decrease? Well, the answer is yes, you need to. We have all done things wrong. And I want to tell you right now, you need to cheer up because you're way worse than you think you are. And we're going to look at that right now. One of my favorite ways to look at how we compare to God and his holiness is to look at the Ten Commandments. 
I mean, there's only 10 there, right? This should be very simple to follow. But at home right now, I want you to think about how you're doing with these. Let's just look at a couple of them. I will not take the Lord's name in vain. Have you ever done that? I know that we're in quarantine right now. I think the swearing has increased in our world. Have you taken the Lord's name in vain? It's pretty simple to, to avoid that, but have you done it? How about to honor your father and mother? Kids that are watching this right now, you're in quarantine with your parents. Have you been honoring your father and mother? I know that all of us, all the kids have fallen short of that, right? We've all fallen short of that. How about number six? Should not commit murder. How are you doing with that? Well, there's one you got, right? Except Jesus says that if we call someone raka, if we call someone a jerk, then we've committed murder in our heart. So we fail on that one too. Number seven, do not commit adultery. Okay, some of you are thinking, well, I've got that one down. Except Jesus says if you think lustfully in your heart, then you've committed adultery too. How about do not steal? You ever stolen anything ever in your whole life? How about do not bear false witness? You ever told a lie like Abram has? See, we're all, we all fall short. Each and every one of us falls short. When I look at this list of just the Ten Commandments, every single one of them I've broken in some way. And that's why I must decrease. Jesus must increase. That it's Jesus alone that can save us through faith alone in him. Have you ever trusted in him? There's no other name by which you can be saved except Jesus. Stop trying to do everything right. You're always going to fall short. You need to trust in Jesus. You need to trust in him. You can do that right on the couch at your home, wherever you're sitting right now. All you have to do is just tell him, Jesus, I've fallen short. I'm a sinner. I've broken your commandments. I've broken your ways. Won't you come into my life? Won't you take my sin? And won't you help me to follow after you all of my life? If you've done that right now, if you're doing that right now on your couch, write in the comments, write amen. We'd love to follow up with you. We'd love to let you know how you can grow in your faith in Christ. And for the rest of us, we need to continue to decrease. I know as I've grown in my faith, my sin becomes more and more apparent to me. And as you grow in your faith, you'll see that too. You'll see your desperate need of Jesus. As I draw closer and closer to him, I realize that he is the only one that could ever satisfy uh, all the longings of my heart. And the only way that, could, that my sin can be covered. In closing, there was a story about Billy Graham. Billy Graham was on a Caribbean island, and he was visiting with this person that was really rich. He was in this castle on, a mountain, on the mountaintop overlooking all the rest of the Caribbean, a beautiful place. And he was visiting and talking with the owner of that mansion. And the mansion overlooked his yacht that was down below, this unbelievable yacht. And the yacht had a helicopter pad right on the yacht. And there was a helicopter in this guy's backyard because he didn't want to even drive down the mountain down to the uh, seashore. So he would take his helicopter and fly it down to his yacht and go out. And he looked at Billy Graham and he said, you see all this? I'm one of the wealthiest people in the whole world. But I have to be honest with you, I am unbelievably miserable. A few days later, Billy Graham was visiting one of the poorest places on the island. He was visiting with his Baptist ministers who was taking care of his two invalid sisters. 
and he was talking with, with him, and, and this guy had no view, and he lived in a little shanty, and he told Billy Graham, he said, you know, so there's some days where I don't have two nickels to rub together, but I have to tell you, I'm one of the most joyous people on earth. See, he, he had Jesus, and the wealthy person did not. Abram, all the other heroes in the Bible, all the other heroes in our life, all the other people that claim to be saviors, they all fall short. They all are going to let us down. There's only one Jesus, especially during this time. Let's run to him, the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so grateful that there is only one Jesus, the one who never falls short, the one who is always on his throne, the one who has an ultimate plan. Even when we think we have a better plan, you've always shown through thousands and thousands of years that your plan is always better. So help us as the people of God to rest in you. Help us to be able to run to you. Help us to decrease. May you increase. In Jesus' name, amen.